Hi everyone, welcome to episode 10. My guest today is BJJ Brownbelt, Alain Savoie. It's time to high five and fizz bump. A jujitsu podcast for the everyday grappler. Let's talk subs. Let's talk positions. Let's talk dominating the mat. Welcome to the Let's Talk Jiu-Jitsu podcast with Raymond Terrence. My guest today is a BJJ Brown Bout. He is also a academy owner. He just opened his own academy in Laval, Quebec, Canada with Brazilian Top Team Canada. Alain Savoie, let's talk jiu-jitsu. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Yourself? Good, good. Hey, thanks for coming on. I know you actually live here in Montreal and you don't live too far, but uh, this was easier just to get you on Skype. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if Anyone that lives in Montreal knows like it's the turmoil that that you know construction and winter conditions. I know, <laughs> I just to like take highways and. And there are potholes everywhere, especially right around the corner from my house. There's this one ginormous pothole. I think I could lie down in it. It must be like four feet wide, and it's just it's massive. And you, I, I understand the city is like they don't want to fix them. They don't want to fill them up in the middle of winter because they're just going to become crappy again. But it's pretty bad. Well, I don't know. I think a lot of the mayors actually encourage destroying cars because they don't like the whole car concept they, they prefer bikes and you know all that. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> um, but yeah I, I come across the same sort of thing the holes are they look like war craters <laughs> yeah they're pretty bad so uh i mean, um tell us a little bit about uh how you got into jiu-jitsu how long you've been doing jiu-jitsu for oh geez well i've been i started i think like nine years ago about and I'd been wanting to start for years before that, but um, I mean, obviously the old story, like, you know, I saw the first, I saw the second UFC first, because that was the first one that came out on VHS. And I mean, as everyone else, I was expecting some kind of blood sport movie thing, like, ooh, the Kumite, this is going to be insane. And a couple of the matches were, but, you know, as everyone knows, Hoist was destroying everyone, but barely throwing strikes and not even really getting hit. And it was like, what the hell is he doing? And at first I thought, this is boring. But when you saw the replays, it was like, wow, I think that guy's arm went backwards. <laughs> and it's like, you know, that that to me didn't even cross my mind in a fight, right? It's like, I mean, I'd seen the Steven Seagal movies where he breaks limbs and stuff like that. But it was like, you know, just in a, in a sports setting, I was like, wow, that's pretty intense. I'm going to have to learn that someday. But I was living in New Brunswick at the time, and there was no jiu-jitsu whatsoever. And even when I first moved to Montreal, it wasn't very common, you know, Um and then eventually a couple gyms started opening and I looked into it, but just because of my work schedules, it was always like, ah, you know, I don't know if I can make it those nights or whatever. And at the time, um, Fabio was teaching out of a school called Gamma, which I'm sure most people know of. And um, they had this thing where you could buy a card for 20 bucks and it gave you access to three courses, but anytime. So I figured, ah, that's perfect. I can just buy the card and it won't go to waste if, you know, I can't make it that night or like specific nights. So I figured I'll try that. Well, I rolled like, I mean, I went once, twice, and then I signed up immediately after. I, I was like, I'm going to make the time for this. This is too incredible. I mean, I knew I would love it. I didn't know how much I would love it, you know? And in my head, I figured, yeah, no gi's the way to go. It's closer to a street setting. But I think the second class I went, it was a gi class. And I figured, ah, I heard it's good to know that too. So I just bought a gi and then I fell in love with gi. And I mean, between the two, I do way more gi than no gi. And that's kind of how it started. I mean, 
Yeah. Oh, that's, pretty I mean, good. that's pretty good. How, how long were you in uh, New Brunswick for? Uh, most of my life. I mean, I moved to Montreal in 95 for university and I stayed pretty much. I mean, I was 17 when I moved here. So yeah, that's how old I am. Um, <laughs> you, still have, <laughs> you still have family out there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My parents are still there. I've got lots of uh, aunts and uncles, and yeah, that's, that's where I go for Christmas. Nice. Do, has <laughs> it, has it jiu-jitsu uh, changed, or the scene changed out there? Are there any jiu-jitsu schools now? Or yeah, yeah, there's a few. I mean, I know uh, Dana Dickinson had one in Fredericton for a while. Although I heard, I'm not sure. I didn't confirm, but I heard he may have closed. I'm not like, I mean, don't quote me on that. But then I know Shane Rice teaches out of Moncton. I've been meaning meaning to go to his his club, but usually when I go down, it's only for like a week, and it's during the holidays, so a lot of the nights are closed. And the nights that it's open, it's usually the night right before I leave, so it's like uh, I can't make it. But right. I've been really wanting to go like to one of his classes. I, I hear he's incredible. Nice. And when you came here to Montreal, did you shop around when you were looking for schools, or did you go straight to Gamma to see Fabio? I chopped around a bit. I I'd made some calls, uh, but I had this one friend that was already in uh, with Brazilian top team. So he was like, oh, yeah, I know this guy, Fabio Holanda. He's teaching here. And I didn't really know Fabio at the time, but I looked into him. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, he's Brazilian top team. That's Merlo Bustamante. Like, I, I mean, I was a big Pride fan and a big UFC fan, so I, I knew that, that team. And I figured, well, I already have a friend that goes there. He says it's great. And he was a good wrestler too, right? So I figured he knows what he's talking about. So yeah, that's that's how I started at school. And also, like I said, that card that gave me the the flexibility to go when I wanted encouraged me too. Awesome. And it wasn't very far. It was walkable distance at the time. Oh, nice. Yeah, definitely. And how long have you been doing jiu-jitsu for now? Uh, like I said, about nine years, I think. Wow. Yeah. I think it's about nine years. Wow, no, that's pretty cool. And how, how how have you found the you know the the evolution of your jiu-jitsu over time? Were you a were you a scrappy white belt or someone who was a little bit more low key? Yeah, I mean, I was scrappy, but I was I think I started pretty much as a guard guy. Like you know, it's I mean, scrappy just because like well, in New Brunswick I grew up. You know, it was pretty common to fight. Let's say like I think it's the 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 time I grew up and the area I grew up. It was like you know, so self defense was always like a cool thing for me. Um, and then, you know, looking into jujitsu, it's like, wow, it's not only self-defense, it's dominance. Like, you know what I mean? Like self-defense, the objective is always to get away, but jujitsu is like, no, I'm sticking around. <laughs> 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 but, uh, I started off like, yeah, as a white belt, I, I really focused on the guard, but the closed guard and I had no half guard. I had no open guard. So people, as soon as they, they like, they'd struggle a bit in my full guard. Then once they got that open, it was basically nothing from there to side control. So I developed a side, like an underneath compromise side control game. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just for the time being, because I didn't really know anything else. And over time, then okay, my half guard got a little better, and then deep half got good, and then my open guard started like you know really opening up. All like it to me that was the thing that that chained everything together. Like the close guard, two half guard, and like. The amount of submissions and sweeps and setups you can do just going from close guard to open guard, like. No matter what open guard you like, whether it's Delahiva or like Spider or whatever, it's it really opened up the game. Like I remember one of my friends said, it's like, well, you know, even close guard, most of the submissions you do, you have to open your guard. It's like, yeah, that's true. I mean, other than X choke and like a couple exceptions, most submissions you're gonna do from close guard, you're gonna open your guard. So visualizing that visual that visualizing it that way, it was almost like, yeah, so maybe I should focus on the open guard as well since most of the submissions are from there and i mean i love sweeps but to me what attracted me to jiu-jitsu were the subs right right <laughs> so i was always like hmm and 
over time, well, subs led to sweeps and sweeps led to subs. And then it all kind of, it all becomes jujitsu at the end of the day, you know, but I think most people focus on a a certain aspect of the game when they start and they fill out the rest as they go on, as they progress. Right. That makes sense. And what what do you find at at what point did everything start clicking? Was it at blue? Was it at purple? Well, everything started clicking. I I don't think there is such a (laughs) a thing, but like, I think the milestones, um, Blue was a big one just because you start learning techniques that work really well for you. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, for me, it was triangles. Uh, I mean, arm bars I was getting even as uh, as a white belt, but I didn't have to work that as much. Triangles, I wanted to get good at that, and it didn't really come that naturally to me because when I started, I had really scrawny legs. And, yeah, I, I just figured, yeah, that seems like a good position, like even against big guys or whatever. So I really focused on that. Um and I, I think I, you know, I started doing this open guard at, at blue belt, and I was, you know, getting more advanced belts with it quite consistently. So I was like, yeah, there's something to that. But then again, at purple, that's when you start putting those pieces together. Like, okay, how do these chain? How do you? It's, it's almost like you know, blue belt that you learn your words, and then purple, you start learning your sentences and like paragraphs, you know? <laughs> right. And 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 now at brown, where are you at now? At brown, it's like. I know it's such a cliche, but I started working more my top game. Okay. Um, I don't know why. I think, well, I think a big part of it is Fabio really makes us work like guard drills, right? So you do top and bottom. And uh, yeah, I was just, I don't know, like up until purple, I didn't really care if I got swept. You know, it's like, oh, he's about to sweep me, so I better have my grips so I know what to do as soon as I got swept. Right. But at Brown, I was like, no, I'm. I'm gonna try to stick out this uh, this top thing. <laughs> I'd rather just squish the guy, and you know, maybe old age has something to do with it too. It's like yeah, <laughs> you're on top, and you're just like, yeah, I don't feel like moving that much. I'll just you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny that you say that though, because I mean, uh, especially in at Brazilian top team, people are known for their pressure passing and being on top. Uh, so when you were saying, hey, like I was learning the guard at a white belt and blue belt, and I like playing open guard, I, I'm assuming you were having some some good success, considering that most of the guys I'm assuming wanted to be on top, wanted to try a pass and sub you. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, they're they're monsters, especially at HQ. I mean, all the Elliots, really. I mean, but my God, yeah, like they they know how to put the pressure on. I mean, I'm not I'm not that physically strong, but I think I've gained like a, a big tolerance for pressure. Like, I mean, I won't tap under just like, oh my God, he's so heavy and this is so uncomfortable. <laughs> like, <laughs> I learned to stay calm and just you know catch your small little breaths when you can and try to maneuver out of it. But uh, but no, they're they're a handful, definitely. And I mean. I think my top game's starting to evolve more through reverse engineering. Kind of like, you know, okay, well, the guard, what do I want? So when I'm on top, it's like, okay, what do I want to take away? Well, that's smart. You know, so it's like, that. that's, it's a way to approach things too. It's like, okay, if you're good at one aspect, well, go the other way around when you're, you know, at the other end of the spectrum. Like, just, okay, well, I wanted, if I was in his spot, I want to get up on my elbow. So I'm going to, like, pull his sleeve so he can't get up on his elbow. So, you know. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's definitely a good way to look at it, especially when you're talking about that you were good at triangles, you know, so you know what you want when you're setting up a triangle. You know where your legs should be or the most optimal position would be. So if someone's trying to do it against you, you know, you know exactly what he's trying to bait you in, right? 
Yeah, yeah. And I, I think of the guys that give me your hardest time. Like, you know, so what do they do? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that ruins my day when they do that. So that's what I try to implement as well. Nice. Do you have any key things when it comes to the open guard that have really changed your game? Like certain, you know, to have my foot here or to have my knee here. Has anything really worked for you working the open guard? Um, yeah, well, I mean, control the hips. I mean, you know, basically get some good grips and uh, at least have one foot on the hips to like, keep like push with that foot and pull with the rest you know it, it basically like limits the, the the opponent's like possibilities of being stretched out that way right nice do you play any spider or not that much to be honest i mean I, i've got nothing against it my only issue is like i said i came back i, I came maybe more from like uh okay well how can this be applied you know in a fight like a real fight or whatever and Spider, uh, you can learn so much from it, and it's brutal when the guys are really good, especially with the lasso and stuff like that. But to me, it's very, very specific to sports gi jiu-jitsu. Know what I mean? Like, you can't translate it as well as even collar sleeve or things like that in no-gi. And in a street fight, well, you're just going to get kneed in the balls all day long. (laughs) (laughs) Like, in the back of my mind, I'm always like, can he hit me from here? How well can he hit me from here? Like, what can I do to minimize blows if he was to hit me from here? So I think just just that mindset, I haven't really focused on spider guard very much. But a lot of people think I do spider guard because I use the the collar sleeve, foot on the hip, and the other foot's on the bicep. You know, so it it looks kind of spider guard-ish. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, no, I've, I've never really been much of a spider guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had that same same uh, same feedback, actually, because I play a lot of collar sleeve. And when <laughs> I went to um, an open mat last weekend, actually, where I saw you, um, there was guys that, from different BTTs that were there that I never met and never rolled with. And it was fun to kind of uh, roll with different kinds of people and people who kind of don't know your game. I don't know that their game is kind of like being in a nice little competition. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, a lot of guys were saying, oh, I can't believe you play spider guard. Uh, you know, I don't get a lot of that at my school when – in reality, I wasn't. I just had my foot on the hip. I had collar sleeve, and that was it. But people are so, I think, shocked when they see that open guard game because they're not used to it. You know, you either have your legs wrapped around in a closed guard or you're in bottom half. But being in that middle ground, I find there are uh, less and less people doing that, uh, especially, um, you know, when I go to other schools and I talk to other people, especially through the podcast, um, and we talk about common techniques or things that are, are a little bit more noticeable in their academies compared to elsewhere. Uh, we, I, I never hear of people playing open guard that way, you know, or seeing a lot of open guard. I don't know if maybe it's a change of time and it's, you know, that, that philosophy that everything comes around full circle and now it's one trend and then we'll move into something else. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't see it that often either, but I don't know. People tend to really like it. Like, it's, I mean, if, if I take the time and show someone or like sometimes people are like, man, what the hell was that? And you show them and the people that get it usually like it. But, and I think going back to the spider thing, I think it's just visually, it almost looks spider-ish just because you're pushing on the bicep, right? But you're not holding the sleeve, which is what really the spider guard is. I mean, you're, you're holding the opposite sleeve. You're like the bicep you're controlling with a foot. You're not also holding with like your hand, right? right? So it's, I think people just having the foot on the bicep, they're like, oh yeah, this is a spider guard or whatever. <laughs> no, definitely. And I think anything that has to do with, you know, changing your game and saying, okay, well now I'm going to start learning this, uh, I, you know, you, you end up getting smashed, you know what I mean? For how long months, you know, before things start, you know, wrapping together and kind of meshing together. So I think a lot of people are scared too, you know, do you learn 
you know, you learn, you learn the close guard, you learn the half, and then the second they start saying, well, now you're going to open your legs and you're completely going to leave yourself vulnerable and you're like, oh, I have no idea how I'm going to do this without the guy passing me. Uh, I think there's there's some, you know, there's some fear there of, of learning something completely new uh, and starting over from scratch. Did you find yourself doing that a lot? I mean, all the way to brown belt up to now? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's always, it's an ego game, right? I mean, like people say, oh, jujitsu guys, they, they don't have egos. And it, it, I'd say they have less egos maybe, but no, there's still like, you know, those times you roll and like, you just got smashed five times. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I can sub this guy right now, or I can get smashed a sixth time, which, you know, in the back of your head, it's probably better to get smashed and keep learning what you're learning. But part of you is like, I need that sub, you know? <laughs> so there's always that little balance. And I mean, you, you try to stay humble and all that. And, but there's always, you know, it's, it's fun to win sometimes too. Yeah. Do you, so, do, do you find yourself doing uh, any nogi? Oh, rarely. I, I mean, I did for uh, the first few years and I, I, I subbed for a friend that was teaching nogi for a while. Um, but not as often as I should, I admit. Um, I, I think my schedule kind of doesn't lend itself that well <laughs> for the classes that are offered as well. It's been one of my goals though this year to start uh, doing nogi a little more uh, regularly because the times I did it, I really liked it. It's like, uh, I mean, there's the little learning curve of the grips, but I found that the people I was struggling the most with in nogi were the good gi guys too. You know, the guys that I, I only saw in that nogi in those nogi classes. It's like eh, they weren't giving me as hard of a time as I'd expect, I guess. I mean, they were, but not, I was expecting to get just killed, like murdered, you know? Right. And it wasn't nearly as bad. Um, Cause I think the difference for me anyway, it's a lot of people say no geese faster. And that's true in a lot of respects, as far as the, the, the speed of like, you know, the athleticism, the explosivity, all that stuff. But mentally I found it way slower because there's far less options. There's far less dangers too. You know what I mean? Like, right. You're not like grips. You're not worrying from inch to inch. It's more like feet. You know, <laughs> it's like okay, well, I know if he starts passing my guard, he needs to get this and this, as opposed to like and you know, I've got quite a bit of distance before he can do that. Rather than gi, it's like oh, if he gets that grip on my knee, that's gonna you know screw up my day. And if he grasps the sleeve too, that's gonna be another issue. And so when you take all those things away, it's like oh, okay, it's like far less options. So I I've got more breathing room mentally. You know, less breathing room physically because it is faster and slipperier and all that stuff. But right, but the worst that's going to happen is that he'll either get you in a footlock, he's going to kimura you, triangle, arm exactly. bar. So there's like less Darkness. possibilities, right? Exactly, exactly. So I mean, I mean, at some point I was thinking about that too. Like you know, some people say, "Oh, gi is, is more technical versus no gi," and I mean, I think. That's true on a certain level, but not in the way that most people think. It's like, I mean, there there is a technique and a refinement of the technique in both, obviously. But I think just the fact that there are more techniques in gi makes it more technical. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And another thing that, uh, like, uh, that, that kind of, like, surprised me, too. Well, it shouldn't. It's, it's obvious. But, I mean, when you take off the gi, that's still an extra four pounds, sometimes five, with a sweat. <laughs> That no, you're carrying. Sure. <laughs> That's true. So you take that off, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I'm way faster than I'm used to being. <laughs> no, yeah. And that's why I love tournaments that uh, that don't make you weigh in in your gi. I love it. You know, they give you the weight classes and you mm -hmm. can just weigh in in like shorts and a rash guard and you don't have to worry about those three extra pounds that your gi's uh, basically weighing you out. 
or four in, in our case, like our, our team geese are four now. They used to be three, I think. But like since the yeah the the heavier pants, right? <laughs> and do you find yourself worrying more about um, um, uh, toe holds and knee bars at Brown? Do you find that you're getting a little bit more exp exposure to that? Yeah, of course. But honestly, I don't find the the change as drastic as when you turn blue with wrist locks. Hmm. You know, like because. I mean, you're not really worried about your grips in that way when you're just a white belt grip and whatever, you know? And I see it also, like, when I'm rolling with white belts, my brain always goes, wrist lock, wrist lock, wrist lock. And I'm like, no, you can't, you can't, you can't. Uh, I mean, because you're still allowed straight ankle locks, right, from uh, white belt on. So, like, I mean, obviously the setups are different, but there's always a chance that somebody can, like, you know, foot lock you that way. Um, obviously there's certain things you have to, to adapt. Like for example, I, I really like the waiter sweep, right? From deep half. Well, I mean, you, I, I've always had to worry about the straight ankle lock. Like that's one of the defenses. So you cross your feet. That's not a problem. But once you're brown, they can just turn around and go for the toe hold, right. which is how Fabio got Kenny Florian, I believe in uh, a tournament he did in, in Canada. Like I think it's on YouTube. Good match. But Fabio reminded me of that too. And I remember, I think I was a blue belt or purple belt when he told me. And uh, I asked him straight up, like, well, should I give up this, this technique? Because, I mean, once I become a brown or a black belt, it's kind of, like, obsolete. He said, no, no, you're good at it. Keep doing it. You'll troubleshoot it. And sure enough, like, especially in gi, I figured out some things to prevent it. Like, you just grab the lapel from, you know, like, the arm you have under the leg. You grab the lapel so you can't turn around. So as long as you can't turn around, you can't go for your, your foot. And I mean, it's not it's not really a stagnant position anyway. You get in the waiter and you go straight for it, like the sweep, right? So, but if he sees it coming, there's always that possibility you can turn around and just toehold the crap out of you. And it's it's a tight one too. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I find that in nogi, the nogi classes really help out for that. You know, the fact that you can go for at all levels, go for toeholds and knee bars and whatnot. Because then when yeah. you get in the gi, I mean, especially at purple, I find myself crossing my feet when, I, when I'm in bottom half, uh, yeah. if I'm ever like deep bottom half, uh, because I know that that, you know, that hand will eventually come around and grab the toehold. So the nogi classes have been helping a lot, you know, just to know that it's there and to recognize that it's there. Because I know later on, you know, it might be a shock for some people. I speak to a lot of people that talk about in their academies, how they do like zero uh, foot locks, you know, like they don't see toe holds, they don't see um, heel hooks and stuff like that. And that's, right. you know, it's pretty sad because later on, I mean, if it's just a casual guy and your everyday jiu-jitsu guy, it's one thing. But if you're going to compete, um, you know, it's a different story. Like uh, com competitions like Grappling Industries, where even at intermediate no gi, uh, you can do uh, toe holds and straight knee bars, uh, yeah. and you could also do it in the gi uh, from uh, purple belt and up. Oh so, really? Okay. Yeah. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, I'm actually competing this weekend at uh, Grappling Industries Boston. And, oh, awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do um, – um, I'm doing gi and no gi. And then I was looking through the rule set uh, just to make sure I was I was good to go. And then I noticed that in the gi that I was allowed to do toe holds and, and straight knee bars. And I was wow. like, well, I don't do a lot of those. Like in my gi class, in no gi class we do it, but in gi it's completely different depending on where the guy's – what he's holding on to and whatnot. So uh, that, that should be pretty interesting. I think more – and more tournaments are doing that they're they're getting people exposed to it and maybe it's to kind of waken up that like that toe hold beast or heel hook beast where academies are, are kind of forced into you know teaching it to their students yeah no for sure well i mean then there's the side you know Vinny Mangali says they don't work so it's... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no like I, I think yeah i mean the more you're exposed to early on the more you, you know 
but I, at the same time, I also see the other side. It's like, yeah, there's things that you may want to focus on in the beginning. And then, you know, once you have those kind of fundamentals kind of grow from there, but yeah, I, at the same time, I do find brown belts kind of late to start, you know, leg locks. Would like you all, start all, at purple? Yeah. Well, for Nogi, I'd start like maybe blue, hmm. blue purple. Yeah. Um, for, for Nogi, I'd, at the moment, I'd keep it brown just to keep it with the IBJJF, blah, 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 blah. But um, I guess it would depend on the class. Like if, if my students were like, no, we want to do leg locks, I'd be like, yeah, okay, fine. As long as we're all in accordance like you know we, we're all we all agree we're doing leg locks just be careful and you know like I, i'd be open to it no 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 problem um for heel hooks well again <laughs> i would start with care <laughs> people tend to get hurt way more with those for some reason even though toe holds are i mean you know toe hold injury i think is just as if not worse than it, a i know hook. it's crazy i was talking to to Corey Joseph about this, the professor at uh, 10th Planet here in Montreal. And we were talking about that. And he's like, it's no different from if someone grabbed onto your arm and was doing an arm bar. Like, if you if you really want to jack your arm, you know, and, like, really, like, break it, I mean, the option is there to do it, but he doesn't do it, right? He goes all the way, maybe goes a little bit further, and then you end up tapping or trying to escape. At that point, it's, it's pretty much too late anyways. But, I mean, it's the same thing if you're going for a heel hook. I mean, you can go for a heel hook safely, right? You don't have to jack the person leg all the way and the other person it's up to the other person to acknowledge that they got caught just like any other submission well that's true in, in many respects but i think i compare the heel hook or toe hold more to like an americana than an, an arm bar you know because an arm bar it's like well you'll hear the pops before you get injured mm-hmm. and the injury is shitty as it is it like you can you know have a relatively normal arm afterwards but like an americana or a kimura it's like yeah i feel it i feel it, i feel it and then your arm's never going to be quite the same, you right. know? <laughs> right. Yeah, I think that's a good philosophy that a lot of schools are starting to adopt is when they start doing um, leg attacks that they solidify the position and yes. then, like, they call it. You know what I mean? They say, okay, well, like, I'm super tight on you. Like, the knees are pinched. I, I'm, like, full-on heel hook on you. I got you. You know exactly. what I mean? There's no, no need I, to torque it or anything. I'm totally down with that, too. Like, I mean, knee bars... I don't know. I find knee bars like you, you feel the pain more than you know heel hooks or toe holds. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, I, I didn't really realize how bad toe holds could be until Fabio caught me in one once, and my foot's pretty flexible. So I was like, ah, no, my ankle's fine. My ankle's fine. All of a sudden, my knee started like just like a stabbing right in my knee, and I tapped right away, thankfully. But I was like, oh my god, okay, it's not just the foot that can get torn off it's the knee too it's you know <laughs> yeah that's horrible especially the guys that go for the toe hold and then they step over you and go belly down like though that's just it's gross that's I, where i was <laughs> 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 but yeah it was uh you know it, it's one of those things like you recognize the grips you recognize i mean i blew my knee out a couple times uh the last time though it was uh one of, one of my training partners he had this tight knee bar i mean tight but i had wiggle room right i mean it was just solid and because I had wiggle room, I figured, oh, maybe I can knee slice out of this quickly. And as I started to, he arced. So it went just on one side instead of both. And I didn't have to tap. He, he felt the pop. Like, you know, <laughs> it was like, oh, no. It's so bad for from all those, like, tiny little mistakes. I did the same thing when I was at a uh, – it was an open mat when I had first joined BTT. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a uh, professor uh, – who was there? Um, Mark? 
uh, was there, uh, yeah. episode one of the podcast, <laughs> and yes. uh, there was Charles, um, who um, uh, amazing. Uh, um, I mean, he's a doctor and a what is he? A, did he get his black belt? Uh, that's a good question. Like, I did technique with him. He's either know. black or brown. But... Yeah. Anyways, he he was there, and yeah. uh, I was I was just casually uh, we were we were just kind of doing like some some warm up drills, and then we did a what we call a light roll in brackets. And during yeah. that light roll, I was in top half, but uh, standing up, and I was like, oh, I'm just gonna pivot backwards, and. And I was like, this is a genius idea. So I pivoted backwards. But what he did is he ended up squeezing his legs together as I was pivoting and Ooh. totally tore my MCL. Just yeah. from like super like just nothing. It wasn't like an intense roll and it was kind of pointless. But just from one stupid movement. And then I was out, you know, for months like in rehab and having a stupid brace on. And it was it was really bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've torn like uh both my MCLs, once one of them twice. One was as a white belt trying to take down. Well, I did take down the, this big guy, but as I was taking him down, I, I felt the pop, you know. And yeah. it did. I mean, it hurt when it it cracked, but it wasn't too bad. And I kept rolling, but there was this one angle that was just death. And then the next day, it swelled up and it got really bad. And yeah, I was out for a few months there too. And uh, another time was just silly. I mean, I was rolling with Fabio, who's on top, and he was going for a wrist lock, and I tried to just you know, bridge to, to create space so I could move my, my elbow a bit. And in turning, my foot got caught on the mat. My knee kept going and just went, bop, you know, oh. <laughs> same injury. And then the, the last time was uh, that, that knee bar I just mentioned, but that was my fault. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. A lot of people are so scared of like, you know, like, I mean, I had to deal with uh, get, getting uh, liability insurance and stuff like that to teach. Right. And it's, it's actually quite hard in Quebec. I think there's this stigma of like, Oh, jujitsu, it's about choking and breaking limbs that they think, Oh, people get injured all the time. It's like, yeah, but not as much as judo or football or hockey or any other sport. Like, you know, it's, it's one of those things, if anything, I think, I mean, it's a contact sport. I mean, so it, you'll probably get hurt a bit more than, let's say, uh, badminton or, you know, <laughs> but you can blow your knees in that too. I mean, you know, like tennis injuries and badminton, like just the running back and forth and stopping, whatever. But I think it's just when you read the description and like the, the goal of the martial art, some people are a little scared. It's like, oh my God, you, you break arms? It's like, yeah, but it's so rare that people get really injured in class. Competition, that's a different thing because people go for the kill. But, and you know, also, like, you don't always know the opponent, so you're kind of like, well, screw that guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny that you mentioned liability insurance because I went through the same thing multiple times for my karate school when I was running it, and it was, like, Im next to impossible to explain even karate. Like, everyone knows what – everyone's seen the karate kid. Everyone knows what karate is. But you try to explain that to an insurance company and what you do in your activities, and even they don't know what questions to ask you to even quote you for coverage. Yeah, no, I know. And well, I mean, one company it was really annoying because they made me fill out the whole form and what martial art. They even had Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as a checkbox, you know. Oh, wow. But filling out those those forms are like pretty long, like, you know, five pages of this and, you know, all like, you know, the Anyway, I won't get into it, but at the end of it all, the only email I got is like we don't cover Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's like, well, why have it in the box? Like, you know, like, why did we go through all those steps? Like, I called you people. You could have just said, yeah, we don't do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> like, That's really funny. So speaking of that, so you opened up uh, 
um, a affiliate of BTT in Laval and you had your first class last week. So tell me a little bit about that process and what made you, you know, want to open up your own place. And Well, honestly, it was just kind of by chance because I mean, like, you know, I was open to the idea of um, like, I mean, my, my main job is like, I compose music for like TV and films and stuff like that. But I mean, you know, between contracts, it's fun to make a little extra income. So I figured, ah, you know what, I might go visit some martial arts schools in, in the area and see if they're looking for any grappling or any, you know. And there was one school I knew of, and it was this this White Crane Kung Fu school in Galvi uh, Laval. And I went knocking on the door, and, you know, the, the manager was there. I said, oh, I'm just looking to see if you guys are, are looking into any grappling. Because, I mean, I, I did Kung Fu, like, maybe three years when I was a kid, and I know their grappling isn't, you know, it's let's just say it's not their focus. Right. You know? <laughs> so... <laughs> Figure that like their focus like get back up, stay up. It's like yeah, but and the know. white crane, yeah, yeah. <laughs> top of it. it's you know. So I figured yeah, you know, I'll offer my services. And he was immediately oh, you saw the sign in the window. I'm like mm, no. So they were renting that space, and that got me thinking. It's like well, yeah, that that could maybe be better. I mean you know instead of just like being part of another like a kung fu school that does like one night a week maybe i can do a couple nights and it could be my class it'd be you know so i figured oh, I'll, I'll talk to fabio see what he thinks and he was like yeah absolutely man go for it it's it's cool and uh yeah so i figured why not like i'll, I'll take the risk and especially that i could just do like six month lease you know to a year or whatever i figured oh, i'll try it out see how it goes and if you know worst comes to worst at least it's not like i opened up my own gym so so you, you don't know, have to worry about like the expense of a long-term lease and like electricity and all that other stuff. Exactly, and like the this kung fu gym for whatever reason have mats everywhere, so it's like ah, perfect. It's nice. like you know, I mean, the only thing that, that they don't have mats is on the walls, but I mean, it's a, a pretty large space, and I just put cones next to the wall so people don't you know sweep each other into the walls or whatever. But uh, otherwise, it's great. It's nice. It's clean. It's nice area uh, near the Momorasi Metro too, so it's. Somewhat convenient, so I figured, yeah, I'll take that risk. Why not? I mean, like jujitsu, it's 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 one of those things. If you start, you know how addictive it is, right? Yeah, <laughs> so oh, for sure. I actually saw a picture of the place on Facebook that you posted, and uh, I don't know this is if it's where you train, but I saw weapons and swords and all these things on the wall. Yep, that that's the place. <laughs> I don't know how you're gonna stop jujitsu guys from going on the wall and like grabbing grabbing a sword. Oh. Yeah, well, no, that's one of the like because it's not they're not my weapons, right? They're the 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 kung fu school owners, and I was like, yeah, like don't touch those; they're not ours. And also, it's extra incentive not to roll into the walls because then you'll have some size and stuff falling on you, for <laughs> a good time, you know. But like I said, I, I put like these cones, like so anyone that lives in Montreal is used to orange cones. They, <laughs> I put them all along the walls so that like it gives you an extra like two feet before you actually have to reposition, you know. Okay, that's good. And has and have the owners of the Kung Fu school, uh, you know, questioned Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or wondered what it was, or did did they know right away what it was when you mentioned it? No, well, I mean, of course they've heard of it, but uh, no, the, the, it was fun because at some point, like you know, um, I was just talking about it. And they did like you know, you mentioned Kimura, and they're like, oh, what's that? And so I, I showed it because it was the owner and the the manager, and I, I got the manager who's a bit younger, and you know. Bit, bit bigger than me, whatever, and I get them in a Kimura, like, they were saying, well, how can you use this? And I said, oh, self-defense, if somebody grabs you from behind, you can go over the elbow, get your grips, and then, you know, I just broke his grip. And then, uh, just to show him, and then the owner's like, no, 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 put him back, put him back, I want to see him get out, because that's his, like, number one, I think, I assume, right? So I'm like, okay, so I put him back in, and I just, like, you know, he tries to get out, so I extend a bit, 
And you know that feeling the first time you're ever put in like into an armbar but fully extended, how vulnerable you feel? Right. <laughs> I think that's how he was feeling because I, I turned the Kimura into like a straight arm lock, you know, not changing the grip, but just right, like. Right. And, you know, the, the owner was like, go on, get out. And the guy was like, uh, no, 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 he's, it's pretty, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> like, you could tell he's kind of scared to just move because if I go an extra inch, it's going to, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's definitely a culture shock. We spoke about it a bit, but, you know, when you come from a traditional martial art and then you see something else that looks quite effective and it's something completely different than what you're used to um you know a lot of instructors or school owners that have been doing a traditional martial art for a long time are really scared of change you know they're really scared to say you know my martial art is not as good as someone else's martial art you know and there's this stigma of saying i'm the best and karate's the best or kung fu's the best or taekwondo is the best and those i'm not talking about the more traditional old school um, mm -hmm. you know, academies. Um, so it, it would definitely be curious over time to see, you know, how instructors will adapt themselves or even if it will happen. Because eventually all these traditional schools have to turn into, you know, non-traditional schools. You know, there's no way that, you know, millennials are, you know, taking karate and realizing this is the only thing that's out there and this, and I'm the best and there's nothing else. You know, with so much access to information with the UFC and everything going on, I mean, grappling is always in your face, you know, so it's not all about one style anymore. There's so many things and people will question it. So I think all these traditional schools eventually will just fade away. I know people won't like me saying that, but I mean, I come from a very traditional Kyokushin karate background and, and you mm -hmm. see them. Uh, more and more they just dissipate you know they, they they end up closing and you know there there's there's never new ones popping up you never see a new traditional karate school opening up the only thing you well, see is schools closing the thing is though i, I think it just takes the right movie <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean like the karate kid is what really popularized like karate in the 80s right i mean like and and bruce lee popularized kung fu and all this stuff and i i, I completely agree with you as far as like efficiency and stuff but again it depends on your objectives right it's like if if you just want to do straight up self-defense well jujitsu is amazing but it's not a quick fix you know what i mean it's like it, it's a it's a marathon it's not like a sprint right so i mean if you just want to know how to handle yourself in the street it might not be your go-to uh, right away because as much as i love jujitsu and that's that's my number one by far i mean like but you know, against a dude with a knife, it's a different dimension, you know, or like uh, if you're up against a wall or you're in a, a really, you know, in an elevator, or like they're, they're different things. And also, I think a lot of the traditional things, I mean, look at it this way, Tai Chi's still around, right? But I don't think anyone thinks they can fight using Tai Chi. I mean, I'm sure there's a few, but like generally... <laughs> Right. Generally, I think they're doing it more for like just the, the, the physical, you know, exercise and that, that whole side of it. And I think, it, well, not all martial arts, but most martial arts offer something valuable, you know, um, even technically. Sometimes you'll just modify a technique for it to work. Like maybe in and of itself, it doesn't work. Like Aikido is a, a good example. I, like I, I don't find Aikido is very practical generally, but you can apply those techniques in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu just changing, you know, the, the grip or, like, the context. You know, because, I mean, to me, like, when you see them do their their their, their uh, uh, exhibitions, if you Chaz. want. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to catch somebody punching you for real and putting them in a wrist lock like that. I mean, unless, and again, that's the other thing. 
I think most people that do martial arts will probably be able to handle themselves against most people that don't do martial arts. Right. For the most, I mean, there's exceptions to every rule, but I mean, even if you're in like a quote unquote, not, you know, that efficient martial art, well, the fact you're, you're training a few times a week, it p- puts you in better shape. Uh, your reflexes are a little sharper. Uh, you've got a certain confidence, whether it's founded or unfounded. But the thing I like about jujitsu is that it, it gives you an edge even on those people. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's almost like we know this kind of secret ninja philosophy stuff that no one knows naturally. Because, I mean, everyone knows how to throw a punch. Not necessarily well, but, you know, just the... They, yeah, like, they can still throw their hand in the air exactly, and clip something. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Everyone's throwing a punch at something at some point. Like, you know, like make a fist and just throw it, you know, that way. Or haymaker. Or like, anyone can do that. But jiu-jitsu, what I really like about it is that it really sharpens your non-instincts. You know, like, somebody's on top of you punching you in the face... The natural reaction is usually try to push them off or turn around, but those are the things never to do in jujitsu, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So it it really it, it's like developing new uh, reflexes and instincts to basically make you a better fighter. And the thing I like about it too is that the angles, um, the philosophy, like everything that goes behind it, can be applied to other martial arts as well. You know, like distance, uh, uh, grips. Um, I mean, yeah, it's to, to me, it's, it is the, the, the most fun. And the thing that sets it apart, too, <clears throat> I mean, this has been said many times, but it's the rolling. Like, we're able to, like, roll hard, you and know. Go, go 100% want. all the time. It, exactly. And without necessarily injuring or, like, you know, uh, injuring or, like, you know, <laughs> killing your partner, which you could do in theory. I mean, when he taps, that's the beauty of the tap, right? It's like, it makes me know that I won and it makes you know that I won or vice versa. Like if I tap, it's like, I know he won. Otherwise I wouldn't have tapped. You know, it's, (laughs) it's, you can argue why you can come up with all the excuses and the reasons why you tap, but at the end of the day, you still tapped. So that's, that keeps the ego in check, but it's, it also allows you to try all the techniques that you've learned or that you've, you know, explored or like, yeah, this works in technique, but how does it work in rolling or how does it work when the guy doesn't let you or, you know, he's doing everything to prevent you from doing it. What do you do then? And I think it's through like, that's why it's, it's not a, a quick fix. Like a lot of martial arts, like, okay, what they do, this just jab him in the throat and like punch him in the, like, you know, here and run, which in a lot of respects that can work, but things don't usually go the way you plan. So jujitsu, the thing is, is you've seen, a hundred or a thousand different scenarios for the same situation. So he does this. Okay. I've got this. If he does that, I've got that. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think in a lot of martial arts too, especially a traditional, I mean, you'll, you'll find bullshit in everything. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter where you go, you know, there'll be stuff that would be super practical that you use on a daily basis. And there'll be other, you know, other things that, that you know, that, you know, will, will never work, you know, like standing on one leg and like doing a jumping front kick and like, it, it's 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 just not practical you know it just doesn't make any sense and i think every martial art has something where you're where you kind of sit back and you're like well when would i use that like it looks great but it's not practical whereas jiu-jitsu 
everything seems pretty practical. I mean, apart from like the fancy, like, you know, we could talk about donkey guard and all that stuff. That's just silly. You know what I mean? It, it's kind of yeah. funny, but I mean, people make it effective. You know what I mean? But it's not stuff that, that you would use all the time and in every single role. But I find Jitsu really has that core that, you know, yes, there's a variation or 10 variations to a single move, but I, you know, you can actually use those 10 variations. That's very true. But I think, I think all the martial arts have suffered from the same thing. I think like even Kung Fu and like, you know, the, the, like the karate ones and all that, at some point it was all practical, but just look at judo, right? Which is what jujitsu comes from at the core. I mean, but the judo jujitsu came from is not the same judo of today. You know, judo of today is really sport focused. I mean, it's, it's gotten to the point where you can't break break a grip with two hands. You need you need to break the grip with just one hand. I mean, you know, you used to be able to attack legs too. You can't do that anymore. So it gets less and less and less practical. Well, jujitsu, the more the competitions go, uh, you, you start seeing stuff like, you know, worm guard and lapel and like, you know, donkey guard, as you said, or like these things that are like in competition that can totally work. But when it goes back to the roots of like, you know, Brazilian street fighting, <laughs> I don't see anyone pulling spider guard and, you know, Brazilian street fighting. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's definitely fun to see other instructors outside the realm of Brazilian jiu-jitsu be open to other things, you know, Absolutely. to be open of the thought of there's something that could co complement what I'm currently doing. Um, you know, you see it in karate schools too. You know, we have Professor Phil that teaches out of a karate school on Wednesday nights in Terba. And I actually had one of his students on a police officer. Um, and, um, you know, he was talking about how the head instructor comes by, um, who always, you know, observes the classes and that he's actually, uh, he, I think he's a purple belt, if I'm not mistaken. And even though he did years and years and years of karate, he sees the the benefit of jiu-jitsu and how it will complement, you know, all of his experience that he has in karate. And I think, you know, those instructors are the ones that are really going to be able to give something back to their students because they're not stuck in that little bubble. Absolutely, absolutely, and vice versa too. I mean, like it's it's easy to knock a lot of like other martial arts because I mean everyone can just type in BJJ verses and leave the the rest open. <laughs> you'll, you'll see some white and blue belts destroy some black belts of pretty much every other martial art. I mean, the only video I saw, I tried it the other way around, like whatever versus, like even Muay Thai versus Jiu Jitsu, because sometimes they always put the winner first, right? Right. And the one I saw where the, the BJJ guy lost was some guy I never heard of. And the Muay Thai guy was Pele, who's also a BJJ black belt. <laughs> I mean, it's like, okay, I guess. <laughs> but so it, it's easy to crap on all the other martial arts because that's not their – I mean, I there's a few things on that. Like one thing is I think jiu-jitsu, what makes it really valuable is that it starts literally from the ground up. So – you start in the most compromised positions possible, you know? So if you're comfortable in the most compromised positions possible, well, the rest starts getting easier. As opposed to like most other martial arts, you start from a very favorable position. You're in your stance, you're, you've got your guard up, you're like, everything's fine. Like, you know, <laughs> it, it's like you're squaring off with the, you know, another karate master and stuff like that. And, but from our point of view, it's like, yeah, but I just take them down. Then what, you know? Yeah, it's, it's true. But I mean, if that guy, I mean, you know, UFC taught us anything. It's like if they've got good takedown defense and they've got a little bit of wrestling skill, it's not that easy. And while you're standing up, that guy's going to have the edge. Yeah. Do you find that there are, there are other martial arts um, that 
um, that complement jiu-jitsu, like people that transition from more traditional stuff that come to jiu-jitsu that like really help them out? Because I know wrestling is one of them. You know, when we get guys that try to transition uh, from wrestling into jiu-jitsu, uh, you know, you could tell that, you know, they've, they understand, you know, their hips and weight distribution and whatnot. Do you think there are any others out there that kind of would complement jiu-jitsu? Well, judo. Judo, like, right. It's just straight up judo. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, judo to me is like wrestling with the gi, right? It's like wrestling with grips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I, mean, I absolutely. There's a lot of traditional judo schools that um, that are, don't teach a lot of ground. I I used to do judo, and I went back actually to the school um, that I started in. This was maybe. Uh, about nine years ago uh, that I, I did some judo. I was curious to kind of think outside the box and see if maybe I could work on takedowns and whatnot. And then I really got into it and then I realized I was way too old for judo and it was way too taxing on my body. Um, but they were really interested in anything I had to say about jiu-jitsu, you know, anything that had to do with the ground game. Because, I mean, they have their, uh, like, a curriculum, I would say, in judo of, like, the, the, the foundation of of, of ground techniques you know like kimuras and stuff like that but the second yep. i got out of that i was like oh you could open up the lapel and do this they were super super interested by it but yeah i think that's probably the one that relates the closest absolutely and i mean e even if they're not focusing on the ground game at all they're, they're they're working out the right muscles they're working on like their their posture they've got grips i mean they've got things like they're they've already sharpened their tools for jujitsu even though they don't necessarily know how to apply it in a jujitsu setting they're still like they're usually the guys that give me the hardest times. Like, oh, cool, new white belt. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh man, he was a handful. Yeah, he's a judo white belt. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, obviously their objective is different. So if they're on their back, they don't know all the options a jujitsu guy knows. You know, because jujitsu, we don't lose points necessarily for just being on our back for takedown. Yeah, or sweep, sure. But like no. the fact on your back, it's like, wow, I've got four limbs to attack now instead of just two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just pull guard, just pull guard. I think that's exactly. why we get into the habit of of Googling or Facebooking uh, people in your tournament bracket to see if they're black belts in anything else, especially judo, so you know if you have to sit on your ass or not. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I mean, you know, that, that that's one thing that we're kind of lucky for is like against wrestlers is that we're not allowed to slam, right? Because, man. Yeah. Like, honestly, in a street fight, I think a wrestler would be one of the scariest things. Oh, for sure, for sure. I actually watched um, the... Man, I watched a few fight to win pros over the weekend because I had missed a few. And I think it was the last one, like the 100, if I'm not mistaken. There was some. Um, uh, so in fight to win pro in the gi and in no gi, you're allowed slams. And that's from like purple belt up, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not too sure if the blue belts were allowed, but it was brutal. You know, you see some guys like try to go, you know, like pull guard or even in bottom, yeah. you have bottom guard. They would close their legs. The guy would stand up and just like jump in the air and slam the guy down on his head it was brutal sure. well it's like adcc i mean you see a lot of guys get knocked out just from triangles right because they get picked up and boom it's like ooh, yeah true you're allowed to do that there <laughs> but it makes it worse i think you know for stuff like triangles i i think if i'm not mistaken i don't know where i where i heard that but if you were to pick up somebody and slap yeah it sucks for you because you're getting your head slammed in the ground but doesn't it make the submission tighter well i think it's more the guy's using a lot of energy as he's being choked hmm I mean, the quick fix is to underhook the leg so he can't pop, like properly slam you, but he could still, you know, it, it could still hurt. Um, but I mean, as we saw, you know, that, that classic Rampage versus Arona fight in Pride, where he just picked him up all the way and knocked him out with that slam, it was just brutal. And there's uh, an ADCC where Jeff Glover gets knocked out too. He had a, a good triangle on the guy. I forget, I forgot who he's fighting, but gets picked up and just slammed. 
And he doesn't even look out, but you see his legs just kind of open, and the guy just passes his guard, and then you realize, oh shit, he's out. He's like, oh, you know, <laughs> that's shitty too. Like it could can be a, when, anything that has to do with competitive jitsu. I think that whole slamming thing should should be taken out of it. You know, if it's no, like brutal no, no. jujitsu. I disagree with that one because oh, yeah. again, like the the roots of uh, of jujitsu is fighting, right? So I mean, in a fight, you you can get slammed, you can get spiked on your head, you can like all these nasty things, and. At first, I used to hate the point system for jiu-jitsu because it's like, ah, points, you know, what does that have to do with fighting? And Fabio pointed out, it's like, you know, all the things you get point, points for is basically you're, you're advancing your striking position. Hmm. You know, like you take someone down, you're on top, you get two points because you're in a better striking position. You pass the guard, you're in a better striking position. You get knee on stomach, you're in a better striking position. You get mount, you're in a better striking position. Back, same thing. You know, it's oh, and smart. once that makes I saw it that way, it's like, yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Hmm. You know, it's like the only the only dispute I have with the point system is for reversing from underside. You know what I mean? Because like you're reversing that position into the same position, right? But reversed. Like I mean, like you've got top side control, and let's say I I reverse that. Well, now I've got top side control. Like I understand if you reverse mount, you don't get points because if you reverse mount. You're probably in his guard, right? So you're not necessarily in a great position. You're in a better position, but you're not in a great position. It's like that seesaw battle of the 50-50. You know, exactly. I, I'm on top, I'm on the bottom. I'm on top, I'm on the bottom. <laughs> exactly, but they get points for that. Right. You know, as opposed to reverse side, like the guy that passed your guard gets three points, but if you reverse them, you don't get any points for that because it's not technically from a guard, and any sweep has to come from a guard. Hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, but uh, otherwise it's like, I started seeing the value in the point system, and I never thought I would. At first, I was like, "Ah, points, whatever. That's just to decide who wins." But what does it matter? But no, it. Once you start seeing it from a striking point of view, even though we don't strike in jujitsu, that's where it comes from. Right. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Have you have you competed a lot? Are you are you a competitive jujitsu guy? I used to be uh, up until purple, and ever since purple, well, it was around the same time they started banning all the competitions in Montreal, okay. <laughs> like or in Quebec, right? <laughs> and I think that life, age, all together was like, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm not that competitive in nature. I'm competitive with myself, which is why I like to compete. It was like, well, it'll test my, my skills. Like, you know, and, um, but the times I did the best were usually the times I was like, I, I would train for it. But maybe a week or two before, I was just so sick of being stressed about it. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go. I'm going to lose. I'm going to enjoy the rest of my day. <laughs> and that's when I did the best. Okay. <laughs> you know, I'd be like, ah, I can't lose to a guy from that team. So I'd triangle. I'm like, you know, okay, well, I still have enough energy. I'm not too bad. Okay, I'll do the next one. It's like, ah, okay, I've been that. It's like, oh, okay, well, I got silver. It's not so bad. <laughs> like, you know. But, yeah, uh, I, I'm the same way. I go in super casual. I used to get super pumped up and listen to music before matches, but it got me so riled up. And then I would lose sight of what I was going there to do. So, yeah. you know, over a span, I would say maybe the past two years, whenever I compete, it's just, for me, it's it's, it's honestly another role. And this that's what works best for me. You know, I'm going, I'm going to have a great time with this guy that I don't know. I'm going to try to choke him out. I'm going to try to win. Uh, but I go in very casual about it. Because if I put too much pressure on myself, I get too stressed out. And then my jiu-jitsu is just horrible. It sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's just it. I mean, you know, like your nerves and like the, the mental game is, is a big part of it. I mean, but one thing that happened that was interesting, that maybe two years ago, this guy... I don't know, he just must have had a bad day, but he picked a fight with me on the Metro. And 
no one got hurt, got hurt, like, thankfully. But, I mean, he's just one of those guys, like, I don't know. Like, I looked at him, and he didn't like it. I had my earbuds in, and he was just yelling at me. So I take out an earbud. It's like, oh, you don't know who I fucking am, blah, 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 blah. And he was getting in my face. So I just stood up and grabbed him. And he was swinging the whole time. But, you know, I had, like, both hands inside. So I was just, you know, avoiding the hits. And then I picked him up. But the thing that saved him from going to the ground is he was grabbing the poles. And then when I picked him up, like, people were like, oh, man. So they split us up, and he ran out. But the thing that that really like you know kind of made me go yeah there's something to this jiu-jitsu thing is that i wasn't even adrenalized i wasn't worried i wasn't you know i was thinking of every step i could have easily headbutt him i could have like struck him but i was like he hasn't connected with me yet uh so you know why why up the legal antis if, <laughs> if you want to. Um, that's, that's funny i had that same i had i honestly i don't get into fights i'm not an aggressive person this morning i i drove to work and I, I came into the parking lot, and there was this truck there, and there was two guys that were shoveling the front walkway. So they were getting rid of all the ice, and they were putting salt down. The problem is, is that the truck was right in the middle of this parking lot where I needed to go in and park so I can get into work. So right. I rolled down my window, and I said, hey, uh, do you think you can move your truck? And then the guy in French said, oh, like, just, just, just let him go around. Mm-hmm. And like in going around involved me backing up on an icy, icy like pathway because they hadn't salted yet. And it right. just like it would have been really bad. So I ended up hawking my horn. So I closed my window, honked my horn to let the guy know, hey, like I'm still here. Can you move your truck? Right. So the, 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 the guy was cursing outside of the car. So I, this is, by the way, it's like 6.15 in the morning. I hadn't had coffee yet. I'm like thinking about competing on the weekend. I don't want to start like some turmoil. It's too early in the morning. But I ended up yeah. getting out of my car because I saw the guy was getting all riled up. So mm-hmm. I got out of my car and I walked around. And the guy is holding this giant like metal shovel. And then mm-hmm. he starts bolting towards me in an aggressive nature with this metal shovel. And the guy was literally about to like try to knock me out with the shovel. And it's 6.15 wow. in the morning, and all I asked him to do was to move his truck. And I, I didn't, like, overreact. I wasn't stressed out. I didn't freak out or anything like that. By the time he got face-to-face with me, I was like, buddy, it's early in the morning. Like, why are you so aggressive? Like, I, I need to go park. There's going to be 100 employees, like, coming in the next few minutes. If it's not me, it's going to be somebody else that, that tells you to move your truck. Can you just move it a little bit to the side? And then he calmed down. He got in his truck, and he moved it to the side. But, like, most people who would have stood there, you know, that would have freaked out with this giant guy yielding, a, you know, a metal shovel running towards you. They would have freaked out, but you're absolutely right. I think jujitsu brings some calmness to situations like that. Yeah, and, like, in my situation, like, I saw the confusion in the guy's face when I just stood up and grabbed him. Like, I think that's the last thing he expected me to do. I think he was thinking, like, yeah, but I, you know that that sensation you get, like, if I'm not going to do anything, he's just going to sucker punch me. Mm-hmm. Like, he just, he was riled up and his, his fist clenched and I was just like one of those situations like, yeah, I'm not letting this happen. But the fact that I just fought back was just like, whoa, because he's bigger than me too, right? So, but I'm in, like, I'm not a strong jiu-jitsu guy, but the fact that I do jiu-jitsu, I'm stable, let's say. Like, you know, <laughs> like, against somebody who doesn't do martial arts, it's like it's surprisingly strong, I suppose, but more structurally than, you know, muscularly or whatever. But he was trying to take me down. I wasn't moving. And like, he was trying to punch that wasn't having it. And then I just picked him up like it was nothing. <laughs> so the guy was probably like, what the hell is going on right now? <laughs> oh, he ran out in the next stop. And what's funny is I saw him again at my Metro, which is much further away. 
like maybe two weeks later and he was in front of me in line. He turned around, saw me and it took me a second to like recognize him. But as soon as he saw me, he pushed a woman out of the way and just jumped over the thing and ran out. (laughs) (laughs) But again, like I think people are a little like dogs. Like if they smell fear, they're going to be their tough guy. Mm -hmm. But once they realize like, you know what? This guy's not budging while the dog calms down, right? Yeah, and guys like that who are so confrontational are not are not fighters. You know, they're 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 like they're not martial artists. You know that the guy is getting in your face and being all aggressive. It's not the guy that's training jujitsu four times a week or doing you know another martial art because people don't have that type of demeanor. Well, the you don't know who I am line I've heard so many times outside of clubs. <laughs> and like, it, you're right. I don't know who you are. I know who most fighters are. I, I've been to like a lot of the gyms or if not, I know you by reputation and I have no idea who you are. So you're probably not someone I need to worry too, too much about unless you have a weapon. So yeah. <laughs> I, I have to say I use that line whenever because I've gone into some issues with like uh, when driving, you know, like someone will honk, they'll pull over when you're parking and then they get out and they start freaking out. I, I put a jitsu sticker on the on the back of both of my cars. So mm-hmm. if ever, you know, people get out and I just point to the sticker, I'm like, this is a horrible idea. I think you should get back in your car that and I kind of leave it at that. I just look at the sticker, buddy. <laughs> and oh. half the time people have no idea what jitsu is. But you know, what I mean, like it says there's a guy, you know, our symbol is a, you know, this guy with his hand up, you know, and it says Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, like you kind of yeah. have to get the hint, you know? Well, I pulled that card once too. I have to admit, like this guy was getting in my face and I just like, I was wearing my coat over my hoodie. So I just pulled out my hoodie logo mm-hmm. and I said, you really want this to happen? <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> and don't you feel super badass when you do it too? <laughs> well, that's the other thing. I think most fighters know to check the ears and the brows. Yeah. Before. For engaging and... And we're trying to avoid conflict. That's the goal behind this, right? Is try to avoid conflict. Well, that's the other thing. Well, I don't know, like, necessarily, but I was was way more confident or cocky, whichever, as a blue belt than I am now. Mm -hmm. Because I think the more you progress in jiu-jitsu, the more you realize it's like... You don't know what can happen in a fight. There's so many factors that it's like, even though, like, there's a good 99% chance I'm going to walk out of this no problem... It's there's that one percent that maybe this guy's tougher than you are. Maybe this guy's carrying a knife. Maybe this guy's got four friends that I didn't spot. Like, you know, there's all these extra factors that it's like it's usually smarter to avoid the fight if you can, you know. Yeah, especially in jujitsu, I think being able to roll and when you roll with lower belts and the lower belt catches you in something, I think that it comes from that, too. You know, what I mean, like it doesn't matter how much, you know, it just it just might not be your day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But. It, you know what that that night on the metro that was funny because I remember it was it was Saint Valentine's like two years ago, hmm. like I remember thinking maybe he just got blown off by his girlfriend or something, <laughs> but it was after a Cascal class and I know you know Cascal and his classes are oh my god grueling jungle, <laughs> yeah jungle exactly hundred <laughs> percent, but um yeah and I'd gone for a poutine right after so I was not in the fighting mood <laughs> you know, I'm exhausted I'm fries full. cheese I'm and gravy yeah I, I understand uh, it's just like this is not uh, I was more annoyed that you're making me like do some kind of more physical activity than I want to on the metro right now than anything else like, you know? <laughs> that's really funny so but back t- to the thing, as much as we want to like avoid fighting it's always really nice to know that you know what I've got this confidence that's not just you know, smoke up my ass. I know I can handle myself, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that gives you a, a real kind of confidence in everyday life too. Like whether it's just arguing with someone or like, you know, somebody's giving you shit, like 
like you said, like even in traffic or at the mall or whatever, it's like you don't have to take people's shit as much. It yeah. seems, you know? <laughs> uh, unless they pay your salary, and that's a different story. Even there, even there, <laughs> it's like I've gotten in arguments with bosses where it's been like, you know what? It would never come to that, but the fact I know I can choke this guy out in five seconds, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it makes me a little more at ease with like these confrontational situations. You yeah, know? no, for it's sure. Like, it, it's a funny feeling, but it's it's great. Yeah, you know, that's like, good. Uh, so, so tell everyone, Ali, where they could find you on Facebook, where they could find your school, and everything. Oh yeah, on Facebook. Uh, that's a good question. It, <laughs> well, it, it's Brazilian Top Team Canada Laval. But the actual address is a series of numbers of uh, here. I'm checking right now. Um, I think you just find it that way, though. Brazilian Top Team Canada Laval. Yeah, that's it. And the school is at 1545 uh, Boulevard Le Corbusier. It's in the Galerie Laval. Like it's uh, it's right next to Archambault. If anyone knows Laval, um, but it's weird because that's a whole strip mall, and it's like a small mall inside the strip mall. So it's, uh, but it's number 15 once you're in the mall. In other words, like you walk in through the front door and you turn right and it's at the, the end of that hall. But I just had, uh, I just ordered a new, uh, oh, what's it called? Like a, like those. Like a banner? Yeah, yeah. It's like a fold out banner that you just pull down. So I should have that in a couple of days. So I'll put it in the hallway for people to see, like, nice. you know, when, uh, when they, when they walk in. But yeah, for, first classes free as always. So I bring extra geese. I usually have three or four on hand, so. We should be good. And, uh, yeah, I already have a couple regulars that are always fun. And, yeah, only two classes in so far, but it's been a blast. Like, like shout out to, to Justin and Angry Monkey and his crew because, like, he, he brought up, like, you know, a few of his boys for, for the first class. And uh, I, had, I had a lot of friends like Brock and uh, uh, Sebastian. Like, you know, great, great group of people that came the first night. It was a lot of fun. Nice. Great. So if anybody wants to check them out, go on Facebook, uh, Brazilian Top Team Laval. Uh, you'll be able to find the group there. You could also follow Alain Savoie on Facebook and uh, do a little friend request and you can see what's going on in his life and with jiu-jitsu. Uh, so Alain, thanks very much for being on the podcast and you're welcome back anytime, buddy. Well, thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Let's Talk Jiu-Jitsu with Raymond Terrence. Go follow us on Facebook and Instagram and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube page. Turn on notifications and press that like button. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the mats.